here we go with another installment of Dose of Dog. Scott with you, as always, Heather across the way. Don't forget to check out everything with Embark on the socials, the details, and upcoming classes, and obviously, doggy daycare. Uh, Heather, today you want to discuss uh, dog bites and the idea of... Uh, well, my dog bit somebody. Oh, shit. What should I do now? <laughs> yes. Uh, now, we're not going to touch on the, the legal or the medical mm-hmm. ramifications uh, of that. Obviously, if, uh, if if somebody gets bit by a dog, you, you probably have to go see uh, a medical professional. And then there's other podcasts about the legal yeah. aspect of it as well. But uh, there's more beyond there's more beyond just that what you should do, and as you said, uh, there is sort of an oh shit feeling when it happens, yeah, but, if you big. Know, <laughs> but if you know the steps, you're prepared. Yeah, I, I, this is something that I, uh, unfortunately I deal with a lot. You know, I do behavior consulting um, for a living, <laughs> and so I deal with a lot of dog bites, and today I want to talk about dog bites to humans. Um, dog bites to other dogs uh, is something we can certainly cover, and we've talked about in passing on a lot of other podcasts. But yeah, today I want to talk about dog to human bites because I think we focus a lot on the the dog end of it, um, of what are we going to do with the dog and 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 now what and and all of those pieces. But I think we we have to focus on the family that had the dog that bit someone, which I think a lot of those people aren't supported. I think a lot of the times, and certainly, you know, we live in the social media, you know, <laughs> flurry of information and they get a lot of information that isn't necessarily correct or is very accusatory, which is really unfortunate because dog bites are are also, unfortunately, fairly common. I, I would not like that to be, but unfortunately that it is. So... Yeah, what do you do if you if you have a dog that bit someone? I think exactly like you said, Scott, it is an oh shit moment because most of us don't feel like our dogs could ever do anything like that. And I think along with the the terror of, oh my gosh, did that really just happen? There's so many emotions involved in having a dog that has administered a bite to another person, whether it be a child, an adult, uh, you know, a, a package carrier a male person, um, I think there's a, there's a shame, there's a, a whole, you know, bit of emotion that goes into it because I think, you know, we love our dogs so much and when they do something like that, there's just a lot of emotions that come with it. So, so I'm not going to address the medical end of it. I mean, that is not my expertise. I am a behavior consultant (laughs) and a dog trainer. I am not going to address the legal end of it because again, I am, that is not my expertise. Um, I will look at some of the county guidelines um, and laws that we have in place for this county. And and when I talk about these things, I encourage you to look up your own county because everything is different by county, by parish, if you live in the state, um, maybe some, some state laws that might be governing some of it too. But most of it is county, um, most of it is county regulations or again, for those of you in the South parishes or whatever, we divide our spaces into. So I encourage you to look at that. And I'm going to take some data from the the CDC and from, I live in, we live in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So we're going to look at the county government, some of their information too. 
So how common are dog bites? And, and I, I do want to do about another podcast on dog bite prevention, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about, oh my God, my dog just bit the neighbor. Now what? And, and from a, from my view, so now what kinds of things can we put in to help the dog through that, to help the family through it? Because I think that's something that isn't addressed. You know, we, we think of the person that got bit, which of course, holy cow, there is a lot of, um, I mean, not only physical pain, but emotional pain, sometimes some post-traumatic stress that is occurring if someone was bit by a dog that that is going to follow them probably, you know, into that year, into their life. I mean, who knows? But today I want to look at supporting the family that may have had the dog that did the bite. Because I think there's not a lot of information out there on on how to help themselves. So let's kind of dive into that. So let me give you some statistics to start off with. So, and these are just pulled from the um, from the CDC. So, uh, you know, if you look at the, the incidence of dog bites, um, 4.5 million bites per year is kind of what the, um, the CDC stats say. And that's, that is pretty alarming (laughs) that that many dog bites can occur in, you know, in such a short time. And I think, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the amount of people that need medical attention, 800,000 people need medical attention. And so that's very alarming (laughs) that that many people can, can, can every single year need medical attention for dog bites. And, and maybe, you know, we have to look at dog bites on a scale. Like when I look at a dog that's come in on a bite case, um, we look at ranking the bites. So we look at, was it a level one, two, three, four, five? So we look at the the severity of the bite. Most of us have had like a level one, a level two bite where, you know, the dog's teeth kind of grazed us or whatever. But but I want us to keep that in the back of our head because sometimes that's where things start. Um, maybe you get, a, you have a level one bite and then at some point it might slowly escalate into something else. So, so 800,000 people sought medical attention for dog bites, which is very alarming. Um, I think in the last 10 years, a total of like, I think it's around 450 deaths have occurred um, from dogs, which is, again, also alarming because we keep these, you know, in our homes, which is, is fantastic, but yet scary for a lot of people. So, so those are just some statistics to kind of throw, throw at you. So what happens when your dog bites someone, you know, we, I, I, when I grew up, when I was a kid, I mean, you always heard the information that a dog that bites will always bite. And that was kind of what seemed to be common sense back, you know, in the, in the eighties, but I think in seventies, eighties, I guess some people still think that I think I've heard that on occasion, but I don't, I don't agree with that. I think, you know, we all could be violent in, context in which we feel really defensive. And and a lot of the times that's where a lot of these bites are occurring. Um, Not necessarily the fatal bites. I think that's a whole nother animal in and of itself. But um, most dog bites are occurring because the dog is trying to avoid a conflict, can't, and then will kind of escalate through the stages until they administer a bite to kind of back off whatever that trigger might be. So so I think the old adage of a dog that bites will always bite is not true. And and there's also, I think, a thinking that if your dog bites, you know, um, 
a person coming into your house that that let's say they they bite a delivery person which is fairly common unfortunately um delivery people tend to be the target because you know they're strangers coming into your property which for a lot of dogs that creates a lot of conflict but i think there's a saying that you know a dog that that bites you have to be worried about everyone else in the family but i don't agree with that either and again it depends on the context right every single behavior case is incredibly different and nuanced and there's so many things that could be happening in that moment so i don't I, I can't say that that is true either. Just because your dog bit, you know, a delivery person does not mean that they're going to administer a bite to your 10-year-old child. Um, because if you look at the context in which the bite occurred, there's a lot of variables there that aren't occurring with the 10-year-old. Now, that's not to say if your dog has fear issues and they've been put in a certain context, they couldn't bite. But I want you to kind of consider that <laughs> as we as we talk about these things. So, <clears throat> So what do you do? Um, okay, so your dog just bit someone. You know, I would hope that most of your dogs, and I, I feel like people that are listening to this podcast are pretty savvy, <laughs> that their dogs are going to be up to date on their vaccines. You know, that's always the first part. So, you know, which is why it is so important to keep your, especially rabies vaccine up to date, um, you know, along with the other veterinary recommended vaccines for your own dog. So is your dog current on their to have a current vaccine status because that's going to drive whether they're in quarantine and what that's going to look like. So if they are up to date on their vaccine, um, most dogs, if the bite is reported, they're going to have to do a quarantine um, and they're going to be in home, usually in home um, on a quarantine. So usually those dogs are able to do an in-home quarantine. Um, which means they can't leave the house. And, and basically what they're looking at is the dogs, you know, are they showing signs of rabies um, after the 10 days? And even if they're up to date on their vaccine status, on their rabies specifically, vaccine status, they're going to be placed in a 10-day home quarantined. Now, these are um, the the city of Eau Claire um, ordinances. So again, check out your own county city um, to look at what what rules you have in place. Um, and, you know, if you look at the incidence of rabies, we've done a really good job in the United States by by somewhat eliminating it because we are vaccinating for rabies, which again, which is why, you know, maintaining current vaccines is going to be so important. So there is a very low incidence of rabies. You know, we'll see it in wild animals sometimes. Um, dogs, it's really, really rare. So is the risk for rabies high? No. But the thing to remember is that rabies is fatal. And so, yes, the incidence of rabies probably is not going to be that prevalent if you do get bit by a dog. However, rabies is nothing to mess around with. This is why they take the the quarantine and the vaccine status so rigorously. So, Yes, you probably aren't going to get rabies from a dog, you know, especially, you know, your neighbor's golden doodle that may have bit you, but rabies is a fatal disease. And so that's the terrifying part, which is why it is taken really seriously. So if your dog is up to date on <clears throat> their vaccines, your dog's probably going to be placed in a 10 day quarantine. So you're going to have to take them to the veterinarian. Um, they're going to, you know, ensure they're up to date, that they're healthy, and then be placed on a 10-day in-home quarantine and then have a follow-up appointment after that 10 days to make sure they're not, they don't have any evidence of disease at that point. Um, if they're not up to date on the rabies, 
um, they're going to be placed in a 10-day veterinary quarantine. So they're probably going to have to be quarantined at your vet. Um, you're going to have to pay the boarding fee, which let me tell you, a vaccine, a rabies vaccine and a veterinary visit is going to be way cheaper than 10 days of boarding <laughs> at any kind of facility. Um, and so you're going to have to pay for the, the boarding for that 10 days after a bite. So that usually is kind of the legalities of it um, with your dog. Um, and so... Yeah, you, you and, and again, I'm not, we're not kind of talking about the medical end. Obviously, if your dog, you are the, the victim of a dog bite, you are going to seek medical attention if needed. So, I mean, obviously, that's the first part of it. Um, if your, your neighbor or the delivery person comes into your house, they're going to seek medical attention. I mean, I hope everyone, I hope everyone realizes that. So, <clears throat> so. What do you do if your dog just bit someone? So, of course, number one, make sure whoever needs medical attention gets medical attention. Um, some of them are reported. Most of the dog bites, and again, the stats from the CDC of the 4.5 million dog bites a year, that that those are the ones that are reported. I mean, how many do we know of that are not reported? I mean, I, I see a lot of dogs that have bit a neighbor kid, um, a cousin, you know, and they're not significant and they're not reported. And so I think there's a lot of them out there that we're not accounting for. Um, so I suspect that that number would be a lot higher given that a lot of these aren't reported. Um, <clears throat> so your dog just bit someone. Oh my gosh. Again, medical attention, super important. Um, prior to that, so again, making sure vaccine status is up to date because that is, again, crucial. So then what do you do now you have a dog that bit someone? And I think it's so emotionally taxing because you never thought maybe your dog was capable of this. And it's terrifying and it's shameful and it's frustrating and it's you're angry and you're sad. And there's just a whole slurry of emotions running through your head. Um, you know, how could they do this? And they're always sweet and they lay on the couch with my 10 year old and they, you know, do all these things. But again, we have to look at the context. So. I think the very first piece to put into place after we have taken care of the medical end of it, after maybe your dog is issued a 10-day quarantine um, in, in that way, shape, or form, we have to look at management. So I think that's the first piece to look at. So number one, how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? And the moment your dog bites someone or you have been through something like this, I want you to reach out to someone um, and get an appointment with your veterinarian and then a credentialed qualified behavior consultant. But I think the first piece that we have to look up is management. So what can you put into place in your home to make sure that your dog doesn't have access to this specific population or people that they don't know, even if it is within the family? So again, I deal with a lot of families that have <clears throat> the family dogs administered bites to perhaps a toddler or a cousin or a child or grandpa. So if we look at that, let's look at at what, what management pieces can you put into your home? Baby gates are awesome if your dog is respectful of a baby gate. So they, they will stay behind a baby gate. Um, they make baby gates that are, you know, three and a half feet tall, that are a little bit taller. They make pressure mounted ones. They make ones that stand. They make ones that you can walk through. Um, they have a little gate on them. They have ones that are tall, but yet they have a little cat door where the cats, if you have cats, the cats can go through them. So there's a lot of different options for baby gates that, and I love baby gates. I mean, I think they're great. They're a really easy way to manage a home and kind of divide it into chunks so that everyone feels safe. And I'm a huge fan of setting up environments where 
where everyone can kind of move around safely. So baby gates are great. An X pen. I mean, that be, might be another thing that you might look at imploring. Um, you know, X pens are like those metal pens that are like eight sided that maybe the dog could go in while you're figuring this out. So that's another piece that you could look at doing. Like, how can we separate that dog from the population in which this bite administered or the people or not letting the dog have access to the front door. Um, making sure your environment is set up so the dog can't run out the front door when the delivery person comes. Making sure that when, you know, your your uncle comes over and your dog, he is the victim of the bite, that the dog is put away. The dog's out with a dog walker. The dog's in the backyard. So what? how can you manage the environment? Because... I don't want you to move forward until you have a plan. And that's important. People will say, well, then I just tried it to see if my dog was okay with the uncle the next day. Well, let's not sacrifice anyone to see if your dog is okay. So, um, and I know I say that kind of like flippantly, but it is really important to make sure that, that you're keeping everyone safe. Dog bites can be incredibly serious. They can be fatal. Um, they're very terrifying for people that have been on the other end of it. So I really want to make sure you have strategic pieces in place. I've had dogs be boarded with a family member. Maybe the dog's going to be more comfortable at grandma's house. You know, grandma has a acre fenced in lot and she, the dog loves her and maybe she can hang out with grandma for a while um, until we put pieces in place to make sure we have a plan going forward. Um, you know, maybe the dog, what, whoever you can kind of bring into this environment. Okay. Um, so, and, and if, if, if it's an environment where you think the dog can't live in the home anymore, excuse me, <clears throat> then we have to look at what are your other options. If you bought that dog, so if you bought the dog from a breeder, um, any reputable breeder will take that dog back at any given time in its life. And I'm, I'm going to die on that hill. <laughs> if you got your dog from a reputable person, they will take that buck at any given time. If they're not willing, they are not a reputable breeder. And I know that doesn't help in that moment, but that's something I think for those of you listening that are getting a dog, I think that's a question to ask and it should be in a contract and, um, they should take that dog back at any given time. They put it on the earth. <laughs> they are responsible for it its entire life. Um, if not, can you look at breed specific rescues? You know, can you look at, you know, terrier rescues or Labrador rescues or golden doodle rescues, like breed specific rescues or, um, rescues that will take in kind of any breeds. So there's a lot of, of options out there for rehoming too. And we, we had, I did a whole episode on what do you do if you have to rehome your dog too? So that might be something that you need to refer to. So management is going to be a big piece. How can you set the environment up at home to make sure that everyone at home is going to be safe? Okay. Sometimes with some dogs, I do, I am more comfortable with two layers of management. So we might have a baby gate and we might have a leash on when that person comes in. We might have a leash on or a baby gate and we might have a muzzle. So it depends on the bite and the context depend that will kind of, I guess, kind of drive how I like to manage some of those cases. Um, so baby gets muzzles. That's another one. Everyone knows I'm a real fan of teaching cooperative muzzling. We did a whole podcast on teaching your dog to wear a muzzle. And again, this is something that we don't think proactively sometimes, but you know, just like your dog getting their vaccines prior to ever being exposed to something, can you teach them to happily wear a muzzle? So in this moment of panic where you think, oh my gosh, 
you know, my dog just bit this person. Okay, you know what? We can utilize a muzzle as a precaution, as another layer of protection um, in that context where that person might be in that room or in the environment or whatever it might look like. So muzzles are fantastic. And I, I don't care if your dog is the friendliest dog in the entire universe, they should still learn to wear a muzzle. Um, and you can go back and listen to the muzzle episode. Um, I quote Sharak Patal's uh, YouTube video on teaching your dog how to wear a muzzle. Fantastic information. Step-by-step guide on how to teach your dog to happily wear a muzzle. And again, the key is happily. <laughs> Remember, we don't want trigger stacking occurring in an already trigger stacked environment. So we want to make sure that they're happy wearing a muzzle. So that is also going to be equally important. So management going to be really important. And I think it's it's smart to, to add, when you get a new dog, start teaching them where to muzzle. We teach them where to potty. We teach them where to sleep. Like maybe it's a good idea just teach them where that. You know what? Maybe they'll never, ever need it, ever. But if you need it, it it's there. And the dog happily has a positive history, putting it on its face, wearing around the house, getting treats, doing tricks. So um, management, again, huge piece. How can you set your environment up to make everyone successful? So I think that's the first uh, triage that our brain should go to. Okay, After you set your environment up for success or before, I want you to call your veterinarian. So... Um, we know that a lot of behavior issues in dogs stem from pain. Now, physical pain of some sort, it could be gut issues, it could be dermatological issues, it could be orthopedic issues, it could be um, neurological issues, it could be it could be a lot of different things. It could be stress. Like there's a lot of stress happening in your world. You moved, you got a divorce, you got a cat. You live by livestock now. I mean, all of those changes are stress. We know that stress affects our behavior, and it is it is clear in the literature that that is the same with dogs. So is there a pain component? And I think that's why I send a lot of these dogs back to the veterinarian um, to just make sure to rule out pain. You know, we live in an endemic area for tick-borne disease. You know, that affects a lot of dogs too, and they might not be clinical in the moment, but do they have little bits of underlying pain as that disease progresses? So sending them back to their veterinarian or if if even better, a veterinary behaviorist, if you have access to a veterinary behaviorist or a veterinarian that specializes in behavior. Um, there's a study in 2020 by um, Mills. This one is pretty, I think, I may have referenced it before. Um, Dr. Daniel Mills, the veterinary researcher in at University of Lincoln in England. And one of the things that he looked at, um, he reviewed several caseloads and he found that prevalence of pain in dogs in these studies ranged from 28 to 82%. Um, and so if you look at these dogs that were coming in for behavior issues, anywhere from 28 to 82% percent of them had conditions that were painful. And so, of course, those dogs aren't going to act normal. Of course, they're not going to like part of their body touch. Of course, they they may be more sensitive to their environment. Um, and I think there's a lot of uncontrolled pain that happens out there. And we tend to think about pain in older dogs. You know, we used to, we tend to think about osteoarthritis in our senior dogs. And of course, they don't want to be touched on their, you know, they, they might have arthritis in their hips or, osteo or uh, uh, spondylosis in their spine or whatever it might look like. But 
they might have pain elsewhere too. We, there's a lot of young dogs that are affected by osteoarthritis as well. So I think your dog may outwardly look healthy, um, but it, you know, you look at us adults, a lot of us look outwardly healthy, but our backs do not feel good or <laughs> whatever the condition might be. So ruling out any kind of pain. And again, that isn't just, you know, orthopedic pain like we would think of. That could be their gut. Um, lots of dogs have gut issues and a lot of dogs that have behavior issues have gut issues. There's a strong connection there. Um, so I think sending them back to the veterinarian and being specific on this is the context that this happened. You know, are their labs normal? Do they have normal kidney liver function? They're probably going to run a CBC and a chem panel to make sure everything in their body is, is operating as it should. Maybe they're going to look at low thyroid. Low thyroid causes a lot of odd behavior issues in our dogs. So um, sending them back to taking them back to your veterinarian. So the, after this happens and you get your house kind of set up, can you make a call to your veterinarian to get them in as soon as you can just to have a physical exam and have them really dive into, is there some kind of pain happening? Um, you know, I think we sometimes think, oh, the dog is being a jerk or whatever it might be. And I think if you're looking at a dog that has administered a bite to someone and it's kind of a, it's an acute onset of all of a sudden the dog liked this person and then they didn't or, or whatever. It's, you have to take them back to the vet. It's just, it's so important to rule that out. And we can't always know if there is pain in our dogs. So making sure you're getting, you know, their doctor to look them over who knows their health history, who can read their labs, who can look at them and um, palpate their, you know, whole body and see if there is some kind of pain happening. So I think that's going to be really important. Um, so sending them to the veterinarian. And then the last part is kind of, I guess, where the dogs that I see is then seeking out someone who who can help you with a behavior plan. So that could be a veterinary behaviorist. Again, that would be like the best place to go. Um, a, a board certified veterinary behaviorist, if you can find one, they're few and far between. <laughs> um, but, uh, or a veterinarian who specializes in behavior to come up with a plan, or someone like myself, a certified behavior consultant who does, um, who can come up with a plan for you. Um, and, and if you see someone who is credentialed, who is qualified as a behavior consultant, I guarantee they're going to loop your vet back in. <laughs> <laughs> because we do. So if you you have a dog that had these kind of challenges, I think it is unethical if you don't circle back to the vet. And I'm, again, that's a hill I'm going to die on. Um, because I think a lot of these dogs are presenting with issues that we can't really see sometimes. So um, I think, you know, we, we need to make sure and rule out pain because most of our dogs are looking to avoid conflict. And again, we know that through body language, right? We look at at conflict avoidance cues in our dogs and we can see that they're often trying to avoid a conflict. So um, after you have have treated everyone medically, after you have um, uh, done the management in your house and set up the environment for success, you have made the call to the veterinarian, you have a scheduled appointment for them to see your dog. Um, and, and again, some of them this is going to happen by virtue of the quarantine. So they're going to get a veterinary visit, whether, you know, you schedule it or not oftentimes. And then the third piece is, is making sure you seek out someone that can help you. Um, 
you know, and someone that's going to be qualified isn't going to look at just the context in which the bite occurred. They are going to back up. They are going to look from a of a 10,000 foot view of what else is going on in this dog's life. Are their needs being met? That's going to be a huge part of this. Are you able to read their body language? Um, have, you know, what can we loop the veterinarian back in? Um you know, what other pieces of the plan can we put in place? And then we're going to tackle the behavior piece. So what are we going to do around people the dog is uncomfortable with? Or the fact the dog bum rushes out the door and doesn't like delivery people. So then, you know, we will put together a plan to look at how can we slowly bring this dog closer to the trigger and make them more comfortable. Um, and, and again, we have to underaddress that underlying emotion, right? We can't just address the behavior. Anyone that's going to punish the dog for growling at someone or biting someone doesn't understand the emotional aspect of this. We can't punish that. I always say punishing the growl is like taking the batteries out of the smoke detector. That is not going to help you. <laughs> and you are just smushing the problem essentially and kind of covering that. We have to address the underlying emotion. And that's not as easy as it seems. That's a, a, a very holistic view of um, many pieces. I always put five pieces in a behavior plan for dogs. <laughs> um, there's five pieces that I always kind of add in that we look at. And so putting together a plan that's going to help this dog with the best outcomes. And honestly, a lot of those dogs are going to need management their whole life in some capacity, but all of our dogs do, right? Like some dogs, you're just like, you know what? Um, when the delivery people come, I'm just going to shut the baby gate or whatever. And that's fine. You don't have to, you know, if there's pieces of the world that you can just manage to make everyone safer, that is absolutely fine. Um, but our big goal with a behavior modification plan is to make this dog more comfortable around its triggers. So if your dog bites someone, I hope this is helpful. I'm sorry because I know that that is a huge emotional burden for you, your family, your neighbor, whoever is involved. Uh, but hopefully this will give you a bit of a plan on what to do because it's a really, really scary time for people. Uh, and remember, we're, we're always here to support you.